Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 1. Questions by the Sages. Chosen um, one of my favorite verses. I've lectured from it hundreds of times, but I can never mind the real depth of this transcendental treasure. So. Tvam nasandarshito datra dushtaram nishitirshitam kalimsatvam hadam pumsham kanadara ivaranam. This is pure nectar. We think that we have met your goodness by the will of providence, just so that we may accept you as captain of the ship for those who desire to cross the difficult ocean of Kali, which deteriorates all the good qualities of a human being. Purport. The age of Kali is very dangerous for the human being. Human life is simply meant for self-realization. But due to, the, due to this dangerous age, men have completely forgotten the aim of life. In this age, the lifespan will gradually decrease. People will gradually lose their memory, finer sentiments, strength, and better qualities. A list of the anomalies for this age is given in the twelfth canto of this work. And so this age is very difficult for those who want to utilize this life for self-realization. The people are so busy with sense gratification that they completely forget about self-realization. Out of madness, they frankly say that there is no need for self-realization because they do not realize that this brief life is but a moment on our great journey towards self-realization. The whole system of education is geared to sense gratification, and if a learned person thinks it over, he sees that the children of this age are being intentionally sent to the slaughterhouses of so-called education. Learned men, therefore, must be cautious of this age, and if they at all want to cross over the dangerous ocean of Kali, they must follow the footsteps of the sages of Naimisharanya and accept Sri Shuta Goswami or his bona fide representative as captain of the ship. The ship is the message of Lord Sri Krishna in the shape of the Bhagavad Gita or Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam. <coughs> so, in this verse of um, our beloved, most beloved scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam. We hear about the uh, sages of Naimasharanya who uh, just after the departure of the Lord from this planet back to the spiritual world assembled in the uh, forest of Naimasharanya to discuss how to counteract the evils of this age. Because as we know contrary to popular belief they say things go from worse to better the scientists they have their theory of creation and evolution of man through the species and stuff like that so they're thinking that things um, go from worse to better but actually the opposite is true it goes from best to very worst (laughs) we hear how the uh, creation goes through different ages, like different seasons. Um, It's not so marked a difference here in Florida, but let us say Midwest, Minnesota, the Midwest. Uh, 
Um, the seasons go from uh, winter to, well, let's say they go from summer uh, to autumn to uh, winter and then to spring. There's a change in the seasons. So the material creation also goes through different stages. And we call that Satya, Treta, Dupura, and Kali. Four ages. Satya, the first age, beginning of creation. Um, there's plenty of people, there's animals, there's birds, there's fish, there's insects. All, all there from the beginning. Not like the scientists speculate. What do they know? They're in one little tiny corner of the room. How can they understand what's going on in the kitchen, upstairs, in the bedroom, on the roof? What do they know about this creation? They don't know. They can only speculate, like Prabhupada said, like a frog in the well. Let's tell the frog in the well story again because it brings the point home. Once there was a frog living in the well and he had his little body of water there and suddenly one frog, Prabhupada said, came from the Atlantic Ocean, a big body of water, and he jumped into that little frog's well and said, hey, I've come from a puddle of water. Too loud, those kids. I've come from a puddle of water which is much bigger than this little well here. So the frog in the well, very arrogant, he said, Well, is it this big? And he blew himself up. And he said, No, 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 you can't understand. It's much bigger than your little puddle of water. And the frog in the well went, Is it this big? I can't do it, but don't take any pictures. Is it this big? And his friend from the Atlantic Ocean said, No, no, you'll never understand. Don't just accept. It's very big. He said, Is it this big? And he popped. So Papa said, That is the attempt of the scientists to understand this earth, this solar system, this galaxy, this universe, this cosmic, it's all speculating beyond them. We, we have the authority of the Bhagavatam. We, we hear from the person who created it all. <laughs> Krishna says very clearly, he's the source of all that is material and all that is spiritual. Well, certainly the person who creates something, he knows it better than anyone else. Someone uh, built this house, and if there's some defect here, or something we can't see in the walls and the basement, we we go to the architect and we say, so could, there's some fault here, could you please find it out because you know this place better than anyone. So who knows this world better than God? He knows it perfectly well. So he explains, he says that from the beginning of creation there was life. He said in the beginning of creation... I sent forth generations of man and demigods and blessed them that by the performance of yajna, uh, the demigods will bestow upon you everything that you need to lead a prosperous life and achieve liberation. So you can take the opinion of the scientist or you can take the statement of the Lord. You have to put your faith in somebody because we're really tiny. Most of us aren't as smart as the scientists. So basically we just have to put our faith 
either in the scientists with all their speculation imperfect senses or the all perfect absolute supreme personality of God there's a question of that who you Prabhupada said faith means to put your trust in someone sublime I would rather put my faith in faith in the sadhus than the scientists always have some selfish interest in the whole thing money one time uh, on the moon landing when Prabhupada's disciples came and he was very confused he said Prabhupada look here's the here's the newspaper it says that they've landed on the moon and the moon is made of rocks and there's no living beings and Prabhupada would have nothing to do with it he said no Prabhupada said here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita it says the moon is a heavenly planet with celestial beings, subtle, perhaps not perceivable by our gross senses, but certainly not like the newspaper said. So there's kind of a debate going on. And Prabhupada said, well, either we throw out the newspaper or we throw out the Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> and he took the newspaper and he said, we'll throw out the newspaper. <laughs> Keep the Chaitanya Charitamrita. <clears throat> so we have faith like this. Yasya Devi Para Bhaktir Yatta Devi Tata Guru. Those who have faith in both the spiritual master and Krishna, then eventually the full purport of all Vedic knowledge is revealed to such a sincere uh, disciple. So we accept there was life from the very beginning, in entirety. And it goes from uh, Satya, the age of, of golden age, down to the Treta the uh, Silver Age, then to the Dupura Age, the Copper Age. And now, unfortunately, Prabhus, uh, we got the bad end of the stick, so to speak. We're in the Kali Yuga, the Iron Age, the Age of Quarrel and hi Hypocrisy. We're the burnt remnants of previous age. We're the leftovers. <laughs> you know what leftovers are. Like everybody eats, has a good time, they go home, and then somebody has to come up, come in the into the dining room and clean over, clean up the leftovers. That's you and me, we're the leftovers. <laughs> Nobody can be proud. I am dirty. Sorry, sir. You're a very arrogant leftover. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the material world. Nothing to be proud about being in the material world. So, um, when did the situation take a turn for the worse? That's a good one. When did the situation take a turn for the worse? When the Lord left this planet. The Lord comes sometimes, and when He's on this planet, by His presence, um, most everything becomes auspicious. It's like it's dark now, a little scary. We're inside. If you don't, you don't just go around, walk anywhere and everywhere in the dark. It's a time of uh, fear, actually. Yeah. Robbers and dacoits come out and thieves and hobgoblins and witches, all that kind of stuff. Woo. Generally, people stay inside except those in the mode of ignorance that go out and drink and rabble-rouse. <laughs> Old English word, rabble-rouse around. But we become free from fear as soon as the uh, sun appears on the horizon. The sun starts to... Even before you see the sun, you see the rays of the sun. You see the... Um, the sunrise, the dawn. And as soon as the rays of light come in, you can see everything clearly, then you, you lose your uh, fearful condition. So Krishna was on this planet, everything was, was like sunshine. 
everything was very clear, clean, religious, auspicious, people were happy. But as soon as the Lord wound up his leelas, his pastimes, and went back to the spiritual world, the sunset of darkness, of ignorance, came and covered everyone with ignorance. And that was just the, uh, the, the sunset, but as time goes on, it becomes darker and darker and darker and darker. So, just after the sunset, there were some sages who were very quick. They said, now that the uh, sunshine of Krishna consciousness has set and we're becoming overwhelmed by the ignorance of dark, the darkness of ignorance, let's assemble in this forest of Naimasharanya and think of a process whereby we can counteract the evil nature of this age. This is the very beginning, 5,000 years ago. It's actually quite amazing to think that there are persons who, unknown to us, are concerned about our ultimate welfare. We don't know them, they don't know us, but 5,000 years ago they were concerned about us. Us leftovers in Kali Yuga. They were so kind. And they uh, sat to discuss what uh, spiritual process could counteract the darkness of this age. So kind they are. They're our real friends. Generally, we, we think our friends are the ones who facilitate our sense gratification, our material enjoyment. It comes Friday night and we get together with our friends. Well, this is the old days. And you go out in the town, you go to the disco, and you go to the bar, and you're thinking, these are my friends we're enjoying. But Krishna says, Matirna Krishna Patashvatova. Because of their uncontrolled senses, persons too addicted to materialistic life, they gradually slide down to hellish conditions of life. And neither their own efforts or the efforts of others or a combination of the two can rectify their situation. So this is the nature of sense gratification. It, we get karma. We get a reaction. And that reaction ties us to this material world. Just like a thief is caught, they don't let him go free. They tie him to a tree, they tie him to a post, they handcuff him to the police car. <laughs> so by our karma, we get reactions and we have to take birth again and experience those reactions. So it's like getting tied to this uh, world. Not really our friends. We said the other day, I saw a bumper sticker. Real friends don't let their friends eat meat. It's right in your face. You're driving down the road. Real friends don't let their friends eat meat. So a real friend is someone whom you engage in Krishna conscious activities and together you go upwards back home, back to Godhead. That's a real friend. A girl has a girlfriend. A boy has a boyfriend. And together they practice Krishna consciousness. They're real friends. They're going very deep into their relationship and they're elevating each other. This is genuine friendship. And unless we find that friendship in Krishna consciousness, we'll seek it outside the movement and become degraded. So it's very important that everyone has friends in spiritual life. One poet said, no man is an island of, unto himself. You can't be a loner in Krishna consciousness. <laughs> you have to have very good relationship with your friends. This is my bosom buddy. Charatma, I say it publicly to the whole world. 
It's one of my best buddies, Tara Lanza. Friend. We we like to do the same things. We like to do deity worship. We like to chant. We like philosophy. Uh, we like prasada. <laughs> It's no coincidence his wife is a great cook. You know. <laughs> I like that. You need friendship. You do the right things together, then the result is very, uh, very, very auspicious. Uh, I thought I had a friend one time in high school. His parents were very wealthy. His name was Jim Lehman. I called him Limo. I hope he doesn't hear this tape. <laughs> and he was very wealthy, and one day he gave me uh, $2,000. I was just a kid. I said, I said, Limo, you're the best friend I ever had. And I won't tell you what I spent the money on. Because <laughs> I have disciples here. So. But it's not an isolated case that a person thinks he's better off if he has some material benediction. Just like uh, Durga. You can pray to Durga if you're her good devotee, she'll bless you. You can pray. If you want a lot of material opulence, if you don't listen to Lord Chaitanya, Nadanam, Najanam, Nashundarim, Kavicham, Vada, Gadishakamahe, Mama Janmani, Janmani, Ishwari, Bhavatat, Bhakti, Ahitaki, Tway. Hey Lord, I have no desire for material opulence. I don't want to enjoy the opposite sex. I don't want name and fame. I don't even want liberation. All that I want is your causeless, loving, devotional service. That's our mantra. That is in our favor, to become freed from material things and attached to the Lord. But those who don't have that understanding, they'll approach uh, Durga, who is a demigod and facilitates their material pleasure. They have a mantra. I'm a little afraid to teach it to you. <laughs> but if you want material opulence, you can write down this mantra and you'll become fabulously wealthy. But attention. Danam dehi, rupam dehi, rupa pati bhajam dehi. I'm not only going to say it once. And I didn't say it in your right ear, I said it in your left ear. Because mantras are going to the right ear, they're very powerful. So everyone cover your right ear. Okay. Danam dehi, rupam dehi, rupa pati bhajam dehi. You didn't cover your. Because <laughs> he has. I couldn't afford to. Yes, got a lot of bills to pay. <clears throat> oh, worshipable mother, Durga Devi, please give me wealth, give me strength, give me fame, give me a very beautiful wife, or a handsome husband. But not both. <laughs> oh, Krishna. A home and a green card to the USA. <laughs> and it says here, and whatever else I, I need. <laughs> So such boons are considered mixed blessings. Because of course, Prabhupada said human life were not meant to solve the problems of life living under nasty conditions like cats and dogs. No, we can live a fairly prosperous life if we remember that the goal is Krishna consciousness. But sometimes too much we become intoxicated and we become attached and it spirals out of, um, spirals out of control. So... Bhagavatam says the real friend is one who encourages you in, in Krishna consciousness. In the tenth canto, Nanda Maharaj says to Gargamuni, 
O my Lord, O great devotee, persons like you move from one place to another, not for their own interest, but for the sake of poor-hearted grihastras like me. So a person who's thinking of our welfare, he's our real friend. So thousands and thousands of years ago, these sages all got together, they sat in a circle. What do you call that in Indian American language? A powwow. They had a transcendental powwow. And they were discussing Kali Yuga's beginning, these poor leftovers are going to suffer. Is there anything that we can do to alleviate their suffering? Isn't that wonderful? Right now, there's lots of businessmen. They're meeting somewhere in New York, in London, Paris, uh, Shanghai, Canberra, <laughs> and they're thinking how to make money off us. They're creating the styles for you know spring and summer and fall, and they're thinking that, yeah, they're going to really buy it. Man, we're going to make a lot of money off those fools. <laughs> they already have a huge wardrobe, but we're going to make them think they need more and more and more and more and more. Not just five saris, but a hundred saris! <laughs> That's not enough! <laughs> a hundred dhotis! Got to be equal here, otherwise you're going to finish. They're thinking, they're, they're not thinking about our welfare. This is business. But here's some sages thousands of years ago. What about the people in Alachua, April 18th? 2008. What about those poor people? What We don't want them to uh, feel the burden of Kali. We want them to be free to practice Krishna consciousness, to go. They're our real friends. And when we offer our obeisances in the morning, vancha kalpa turubhyascha kripa sindhu bevacha patitanam pavan vaishnavi We're including such well-wishers. We're including all the devotees in the temple, all the devotees in ISKCON, all the devotees of Krishna in the world throughout the universe, and our forefathers as well, the great sages of the days of yore who worked very hard to establish this such a process as Krishna consciousness so that we now can be liberated even in the dark age of Kali. Think like that. All the great personalities in the Bhagavatam, when you're offering your obeisances, they, they played their part in giving you a process which is applicable for this age of, of Kali. If you get a gift and you don't say thank you, don't expect any more gifts in the future. So we should always be saying thank you to these great souls. So, what did they do? They sat and they discussed um, what, what the remedy would be. And they knew that something very powerful was needed because just as a medicine is prescribed according to the severity of the disease, so a spiritual process must be recommended according to the nature of the age. What would be powerful enough to counteract the Kali Yuga? This is a very dangerous age. It's no secret. Tataschanu dinam dharma satyam socham samadhaya kalena bhalinarajan mansat yayur balim shmiti. <laughs> Gives you the creeps. Then, O king, under the powerful influence of Kali, the following things will diminish day by day. Religion, truthfulness, cleanliness, mercy, austerity, 
duration of life, physical strength, and memory. Every day that goes by in the last week, <laughs> these things have uh, diminished significantly. Uh, just in the, my short lifetime, I've seen a marked difference in, in, in morality in my days. What, what is taken as this common activity now was considered very immoral when I was a young boy. Now it's accepted as very normal. My father even used to say in his time, he used to say, is nothing sacred anymore? <laughs> if only if my dad could see what's happening now, he'd turn over in his grave. <laughs> uh, Gorhai was mentioning to me how in England, um, I was m remarking on how some of the churches are very beautiful here in the South because this is the Bible Belt and people um, have their house of God. Like we have our temple, they have their house of God which is very dear to them. And, they, and because it's God's house, they build it so nicely. Actually, I'm very impressed when I, drive, when I go to different parts of the world. I see very beautiful churches, very beautiful mosques, very beautiful synagogues. It inspires me to also build our houses very nicely, like we're hoping to do, Ambarish Prabhu was hoping to do in, in Mayapur with many senior devotees, build a beautiful temple for Lord Chaitanya, the Panchatattva and Radha Madhava. So... Uh, um, yes, they want to build a very beautiful house for the Lord uh, so that um, for the glory of God. But uh, Gauri was telling me that one of the most beautiful churches in London, they had these old stone like Gothic churches, the people weren't coming to the church anymore. And the priest had no other option but because he had to pay such huge taxes for a piece of property in London, the church had no other option but to sell it off. And you know who bought it? A pub. A bar. And disco. So you go into this church and you see the beautiful um, carvings and you see the angels and you see the statue of Jesus and they're such rascals that they have disco music and they're serving liquor there. And no one thinks anything of it. There's hardly anyone left. Krishna says, Manushyanam sahasre su kaschidyatati shidhaye. This isn't a Pura Yuga, not even Kali Yuga. Out of thousands or millions of people, perhaps one is interested in the science of God consciousness. This is the Pura Yuga. And out of those few, hardly one understands me in truth. Now it's Kali Yuga. People have no shame. They go into a church to drink and chase women. So it's this Bhagavatam is always speaking the truth. We should never doubt. Oh, this is an exaggeration. Hello. If, if, if you think it's an exaggeration now, it'll be right in your face in 20 or 30, 40 years. It won't be any exaggeration. We take these things uh, for, for a fact. Religion, truthfulness, cleanliness, mercy, austerity, duration of life, physical strength, memory. It all has an influence on anyone. Even if you want to be good in this age, you're, it's almost as if you're forced to be bad by bad association. The billboards, the internet, the television. What if a young girl, young boy wants to remain pure in heart? There's so much peer pressure in the schools to act improperly and they feel bad and they give in. For the, a terrible age. Everyone is a victim of the age of Kali. So we have to run to the shelter of the devotees because in the devotees' association, Devotees are living a 
pure life, they are pure of heart, we can protect ourselves from the evil nature of this age. And if we, co we come together and we're strong enough, we can actually change the nature of this age. So this is what this, these sages were doing. They're thinking, what can we do to change it? They were Trigalakala. They could see the past, present, and future. That's one mystic power. It's also not an exaggeration. You can see into the past, you can see the present, you can also see into the future. And they must have been overwhelmed by what they saw. But they were transcendentalists. And being transcendentalists, they had more faith in spirit than they had in matter. Any fool can understand that spiritual is more powerful than matter because it's spirit that moves matter. Just like this body here. There's this body. It's just flesh and bones and blood and mucus and hairs. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, I praise you. I also have to chastise you a little bit so it doesn't go to your head. <laughs> what, what, is the, what is the source of life in the body? It's the soul. It's the force. It's the spark of life. It's the soul that gives life. So there's the big body and big body and there's <laughs> that's enough that's equal now enough praise enough but at the, the soul is one ten thousandth the tip of a hair in dimension but so powerful it's moving this matter what to speak of an elephant or what to speak of this universe what gives the energy to this universe not the matter it's the super soul and the atom of every within every atom of this universe. That's what gives life to this movement, to this. So, um, the sages were convinced that there could be a spiritual solution to this material problem, that something spiritual could overcome the evil of this age. And they were thinking it has to be something very powerful because this age goes for 432,000 years and it concerns the lives of billions upon billions and billions of living entities. So this was a very important meeting. It was a milestone in the history of the human race. Just like they have certain historians there, there's certain historic moments in the, in the human race which dictated which way we were going, like the Magna Carta. You know, that's a very famous document when civil law was written down, how to govern according to, like, democracy or the Declaration of Independence in the great country of the United States. We, uh, <laughs> we the people of the United States, in order to create a more perfect union, I failed history. You know. I won't ask any of the Indian settlers here, but do you remember that? We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, What's the order is silent. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I wasn't any better. <laughs> but these are significant. So here really is one of the most significant moments in history when these sages sat down. What are we going to do for the people of Kali Yuga? And they were discussing, well, perhaps this and perhaps that, and maybe we should do this. And maybe They couldn't come to any conclusion. So after some time they concluded there's only one person who can give us the answer. Yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata adbhutanam dharmasya tatatmanam sijamya. Whenever and wherever there's a decline in religious practice or descendant of Bharat and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I descend myself. God. 
God is all powerful and he does give processes to counteract the evils of any age dharman tu sakshat bhagavat pranitam so they prayed but as is often the case the Lord doesn't always come but what he does is he sends his representative that's good enough just like you don't expect necessarily that the president Bush will go to every country of the world to discuss the problems he sends an ambassador and the ambassador he has the power of attorney he's representing the country so to solve these problems very often the Lord sends his representative and that's exactly what happened in this particular case we think that we have met your goodness by the will of providence just to accept you as captain of the ship to help us cross over the dangerous ocean of Kali which deteriorates all the good qualities of man after their prayer what happened? Shuta Goswami appeared on the scene it wasn't by chance that Sutta Goswami appeared it was the Lord's answer to their prayers just like we often quote Rupa Goswami Oh my Lord I'm drowning in this fathomless whirlpool of material existence please just this one time extend your hand to save me what is that extension of the Lord's mercy it's his devotees it's the spiritual master who comes into our life as the Lord's representative and takes our hand and leads us out of the darkness of material existence back to the spiritual world. I'm saying figuratively he takes our hand. But what he actually does is he gives us instructions by which if we follow those instructions very carefully, within due course of time we'll find ourselves back home, back to, uh, back to Godhead. So uh, what was the solution that Sutta Goswami gave? It's stated. Kriteya dhaya yato vishnum treta yam yajato mukai dupore paricharya yam kalotad dhari kirtanat. Whatever result was obtained in Sati Yuga by meditating on Vishnu, in Treta Yuga by performing sacrifices, in Dupura Yuga by serving the lotus feet of Krishna, can be attained in Kali Yuga simply by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. I'd like you to all give your blessing to this young lady. This is her first time here, and it's really hard for her to understand anything because it's kind of deep and subtle, and it's kind of overwhelming to be in the midst of hundreds of devotees screaming very loudly, <laughs> something she'd never heard before. So please give her a big round of applause for her courage. <laughs> She's doing pretty good. I remember the first time I came, I was like, wow, what's going on here? It's really strange. And I, but I couldn't go because I was in the middle of all these people. So I pretended, you know, it was very nice. <laughs> <coughs> yes, the chanting of Hare Krishna, he told them that. It's amazing that there's even a process for this age. I, I've told the story but I'll tell it again it's one of my favorite stories once there were three sages and they were discussing which was the best age for being born into for becoming self-realized so the first sage he said well you know obviously Satya Yuga is the best age it's the golden age the age of virtue of goodness and you couldn't find a better age for becoming God conscious and his friend said uh, excuse me you know it's a uh, hundred thousand years like a long time and 
Treta Yuga is much, much shorter. It's like 75,000 years. And the, you just have to go to the Yajna and throw some grains in. Ashvaha, Ashvaha, Ashvaha. <laughs> and the other sage said, oh, excuse me, Dupura Yuga is the best. You just walk to the temple, you put some money in the hundi, <laughs> and you go home. Worship of the Lord in the temple. So they're discussing. Like no meditation, no Agnihotra, no going. And you know, that became a little heated, even amongst the sadhus sometimes. They're very convinced that their way is the best way. So they got into a kind of a, well, push turned to shove. And they said, no, this isn't very nice. We're sadhus. Let us go to the authority in Vedic knowledge. And he will answer our question. And they heard that Srilavyasadeva was in the Himalayan mountains, where he is even today. And they went to Badrik Ashram, very high in the Himalayas, these three sages, to ask, what is the best age for self-realization? Satya, Treta, or Dupura? No, they didn't even say Kali. <laughs> That's a bad word. Hey, it's four-letter word. <laughs> K-A-L-I. It's the original four-letter word. Kali. <laughs> so they didn't go because just to hear that name, but they were remembering so many auspicious things. Cow slaughter, illicit sex, intoxication, greedy politicians, war, violence. They didn't want to... So when they got to Badrik Ashram, Srila Vyasadeva was bathing in a water tank. He was underwater for some time, like meditating. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting and, you know, hey, Treta, no, Dupura, no, Satya, no. <laughs> Finally, they called out, great sage Vyasa, please tell us what is the best age for self-realization? Silavyasadev came out in, in previous ages, this is, you know, people were much bigger, so he was towering above them. They're looking at Vyasadev. He said, What did you say? We want to know what's the best age for self realization. <laughs> so he said, Satyam, Satyam, Param, Satyam, Kaler Doshani Rajan. Astika Mahaguna Kirtana Deva Krishnasya Mukta Sangha Param Vajat Kali Yuga is the best. <laughs> when the sages heard that, <laughs> they all fainted. <laughs> and Vyasadeva went back in the water. So they all woke up and they're, wow, I had this horrible nightmare. <laughs> Vyasadeva, he said that, that oh, I don't want to throw it. No, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, don't say it! <laughs> and they said, Kali! Oh, and they all fainted again. <laughs> and they got up. And they're like, Sadhu, 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 Vyasadev, please, we misunderstood some communication problem. What is the, the best age for being born in to be liberated from this world and go back to heaven, back to the spiritual world? 
what did you say? <laughs> I said, well, we, we want to know Satya, Treta, or Dupura. I told you. Kali Yuga is the best day. <laughs> the third time. Sadhu, what is he? He rose. Satyam, Satyam, Param, Satyam. Kiler dosha nidhe razyan. Astyeka mahaguna. Kirtanadeva krishnasya. Mukta sangha param vajya. Quoting the great Srimad Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami speaking to Maharaj Parikshit, My dear king, the age of Kali is an ocean of faults, but there's one good thing left in this age. Just by having Krishna Kirtan, decorating one's tongues with the holy names of Krishna, one can achieve perfection and go back home, back to God. So that is our... Uh, that is our process. And we know that these three words, Hare Krishna and Rama, as we said this morning in class, they are the panacea for all problems. And someone can show, on whose authority? Like they say, who said so? When I was a kid, somebody would say something. Who said so? The principal of school. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so on whose authority is this process valid? Again, Dhamantu Sakshat Bhagavad Panitam. And Bhagavatam says, Krishna Varnam Tusha Krishnam Shangapanga Shiparshidam Yagnai Sankirtan Praya Ishantihi Shimedashaha. Krishna has come as Lord Chaitanya and authorized the process of chanting Hare Krishna. Uh, when we want to get something authentic, we look to see if it's authorized. I know in India, if you want to buy some good kadi, you go to the government kadi bhavan emporium <laughs> and you get genuine kadi. If you want a Pajmini shawl, there's plenty of cheaters. But you go to the Kashmir Emporium down by Kanat Circus. Are you writing this down, ladies? <laughs> Pajmini, that's very popular. But you go to, you go to the uh, Kashmir Emporium uh, just near Jampat. Okay, anyway. <laughs> then we know it's authorized. If one needs more proof, because this is a day of age, you know, people want proof uh, of the potency. History is full of so many people who chanted Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, and became perfected. Very low, unfortunate people like Valmiki or Magrari the Hunter or Jagayan Madhai. These are uh, case histories. <laughs> which we can refer to. And even Krishna says in Gita, evam jhantva kritam karma purvar api mamukshabhi kuru karamaiva tashmatvam purvai purvataram kritam All the liberated souls in ancient times acted with this understanding and attained liberation. Therefore, as the ancients, you should perform your duty in this divine consciousness. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. For not just in the history of ISKCON or the Gaudiya Math, but for thousands or millions of years. Even in previous ages, Prabhupada said, people were chanting Hare Krishna. There was a few souls fortunate enough to know. Even in Sakit Yuga, there were people chanting Hare Krishna. And they went back to Godhead faster than those who were meditating for 100,000 years. 
And also, another proof is your own experience in Krishna consciousness. One can measure one's progress uh, as one grows in Krishna consciousness. And when I was a young boy, I used to go visit my grandfather every summer, and one of my favorite things was to rush into the house and to the laundry room where my, fa- my grandfather had, you know, last summer I was there, where I stood up very straight like this, <laughs> and he would mark on the wall on the door how tall I was and sometimes I would cheat because I wanted to be tall and big boy so I'd stand on my tiptoes and he'd draw the line there (laughs) and then I'd run the next summer and then I'd be this big and I I could see from that line how I was making progress that gave me encouraged to to eat good and get a lot of fresh air and do sport I wanted to be big so we want to mature in Krishna consciousness so there's a yardstick we quote this verse many times the last few weeks. That we come into the association of devotees, we get some faith in the process, we agree to start practicing the regulative principles, we become fixed in our chanting, we take initiation, we're blessed to chant, the lust, the anger, the greed decreases in the heart, we become happy, we become joyful, Finally, those anarthas are cleansed from the heart. We become deeply attached to the holy name. We become deeply attached to Krishna. So much so that if someone just says his name, tears come from our eyes. And then one day the ecstatic... I'm making a very brief summary of a very long process. But this is the yardstick. So the the first thing on that uh, yardstick is that... um, a devotee becomes detached from this world. So convinced, Rupa Goswami gives us that, like that little line, that yardstick of renunciation. He said, if you renounce, you'll think like this. He says, your devotee sees the greatest river as a puddle of water. He sees the sun as a mere firefly. He sees Mount Meru as nothing but a clump of earth. He sees the emperor of the world as a mere servant. He sees chintamani petals, chintamani jewels as petals. He sees desire trees as sticks. He sees the entire world as a bunch of straw. And he sees his own body in the mirror as a burden. He doesn't say, mirror, mirror on the wall. (laughs) Who's the prettiest of them all? You are, uh, thank you. No, he looks and he thinks, this body is a burden, a heavy burden the soul is carrying to try to enjoy this world separately from God. Of course, we're not the body, so we want to use the body in God's service, but that is the yardstick when you start seeing like this with no attachments. But as soon as you become detached, you have to become quickly attached to Krishna. Just like you're swinging to the trees, you let go of one vine, then you've got to grab the other vine to keep going. So renunciation is only 50%. You let go, but you have to grab on to the process of Krishna consciousness and swing back home, back to the Godhead. So how to do that? How to become attached to Krishna? We're very attached to this world, even after 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Devotees may be struggling with material desires. How to transfer the attachment to Krishna? Again, you transfer the attachment to Krishna's representative. That's the process. 
Vishnuv Tagavadi Thakur, he said that just as it's more dangerous to associate with a man who's attached to a woman, materialistic woman, than a materialistic woman herself directly, so it's more favorable to associate with a devotee of the Lord than the Lord Himself. It's more favorable to associate with a devotee initially than it is with God Himself. Bhakti Nautakur once said that Krishna, Krishna conscience is something that you imbibe from another devotee. He said this Krishna conscience is like an infectious disease in the good sense, just like a child has measles. So mothers of other children, they send their child's children to play with that child so they, he gets the measles because you don't want to get the measles when you're older. Then it becomes, it's more difficult for the body. When you're young, you can deal with measles and chicken pox. And so I remember there was one kid at school and he got the measles. We made so much fun of him and he was sent home. And you know, the next day my mother sent him to me to his house. <laughs> to associate with this little guy you know I couldn't believe it and then three days later I came down with a measles I was ready to kill him but mommy said no better you have measles now than when you're older because you know you won't be able to handle it so well so if we want to be devotees of the Lord to catch that infectious disease of Krishna consciousness in the good sense just hang around devotees for long enough and you'll catch that uh, you'll catch that disease Prabhupada says in Krishna book that when a pure devotee speaks his words of purity enter the air like little drops of nectar. You read that purport? And they drop on the audience who's listening and they become uh, imbued with devotion to God. Like Lord Chaitanya Sankatam party. Those, the members of that Panchatattva and their associates were so powerful, they did kirtan with their lotus feet. They raised clouds of dust. And Vrindavan Das Thakur says the wind would blow those clouds of dust to some distant place, perhaps another village where there's farmers just tilling the soil, and the dust would settle on their heads. And because that dust had come from the lotus feet of the Panchatat, as soon as it touched the heads of those farmers, they all became ecstatic with love of God and began dancing in the fields. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. So this is the gift of this age. As we know, it's a gift because Prabhupada said it's very easy and it's very sublime. He summarized the whole process. He said, chant Hare Krishna and your life will be sublime. And then somewhere in the 1970s or 80s, somebody, had, somebody changed it to chant Hare Krishna and be happy. But let, let me tell you that the original slogan that Prabhupada gave was, chant Hare Krishna and your life will be sublime. I like that better, don't you? Yeah, we're friends. We agree on most everything, right? Oh. Hey, you're East Coast, I'm West Coast. <laughs> Chant Hare Krishna and your life will be sublime. So, what Prabhupada has given us, we can never repay. And generally, if someone gives you something, you want to give a gift of equal importance back. But in this case... What can we do? Um, we can make some symbolic uh, gratitude. We can give <coughs> a, a garland. We can give um, to our spiritual master. We can give a garland. We can give some flowers. We can give some socks on his Vyasa Puja. <laughs> we can give cake. We can give something like that. But actually, what is he looking for? 
Even if you give him some monetary gifts, some money, actually what is he looking for? He's looking to see us mature in Krishna consciousness. Just like a father, he gives the, do- the girl a Barbie. No, not Barbie. He gives the little girl a Krishna doll. And they <laughs> <coughs> Hare Krishna. And he gives the boy, <coughs> you know, a Rathayatra chariot. I was going to say a red fire truck. But, but really, <coughs> and what he, what he wants to see is, and they reciprocate, but what he really, the reciprocation, he wants to see them grow up and mature. This is the real gift we can give our spiritual master and Lord Chaitanya that we that we grow. Just like right now we're at a certain stage. So that's okay. But let's let's say you're visiting some family and the little child's six months old and he's very cute and you come back two years later and he's still six months old. And you come back five years later and he's still six months old. And you come back twenty five years and he's still playing with the rattle and you know. No. It, okay, we're cute, you know, we're young in Krishna consciousness, but the spiritual master is expecting that by following his instructions, we advance. So the real gift we can give the spiritual master is to give up our material attachments and develop these finer qualities of uh, devotees of the Lord. That's the best way we can repay the, the debt. That every time we see our spiritual master in particular, <clears throat> because we're talking here about the representative of the Lord, essentially, this verse is about... Sutta Goswami, actually, coming to see the sages. So what is the best way we can repay our spiritual master? Every time we see him, we stand before him more purified than the time before. That's how. We should, that's the yardstick. Because generally now in this movement, well, we see our spiritual master once, maybe twice a year, most devotees now. So we should think, next time I see my guru, I want to stand before him very proudly. Not that we have pride, but for his satisfaction. And he can see, oh, oh, you've given up these attachments? Well, thank you very much. Prabhupada always say like that. Thank you very much, he would say. Thank you very much. So you give up these attachments? You're developing some attachment to Krishna? Oh, thank you very much? Like this. And that's how we should think. That, you know, by putting his instructions into practice, um, next time we see him, we'll be that much more purified. And for those of us who are Prabhupada disciples, we have a, some grace, some time, because surely we do want to see Prabhupada again. When we, we think of going back to Godhead, for those of us who are with Prabhupada, and we're thinking back to Prabhupada, because Prabhupada will definitely be back in Godhead serving Radha and Krishna. And what would the spiritual world be without Prabhupada? What would this world be without Prabhupada? I can't imagine. It would be hell. But even the spiritual world, it's not attractive unless we're there serving our spiritual masters. So those of us who are Prabhupada disciples, we can also think that we have some uh, period of grace here where um, we can purify our hearts and material attachments and awaken some love of God. So when we come before Prabhupada, he'll say, well done, very nice. You have followed my instructions. Now come back home, back to Godhead with me. Grantara Shimad Bhagavatam Aki. Yeah.